God is good. God is good. And all the time. God is good. I'm very happy to see you. Happy Sabbath. Isn't it good to say happy Sabbath? Isn't it good to obey God? Yes, it is. God honors those who honor him. Because he first honored us by sending Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. God first honored us by sending Jesus Christ. And he wishes to honor us more and more. God bless you for honoring him on his holy day. And so I say again, happy Sabbath, everyone. God is good. And all the time, God is good. The Bible says, for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And his truth endureth to all generations. I love God. Do you? I love Jesus. I love the Holy Ghost. I love the angels that protect me from harm and danger. And I love God's people. Our sermon for this morning, three things to know about God. Three things to know about God. I'll tell you what they are. Then we'll deal with them individually. Three things to know about God. One, God is love. And we will take a detailed look, not a long, but a detailed look at how much God loves. Two, God desires to give you power. Come on, come on. <laughs> Unless you prefer to live weak, God desires to give you power. And three, God wants you with him personally. Three things to know about God. One, God is love, or let's modify that, God loves you. Now that word you is not plural. I want you to make it singular in your life. God loves you. Two, God wants to give power to you. And three, God wants to be with you personally. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Our Father in heaven, we come before you today on this holy day, this lovely sunny day. We thank you, Lord, that you are the fountain of life and blessings and all goodness. In the name of your Son, we ask you, please, send your Spirit to draw very, very close to us as the Holy Word is spoken. Open our minds, our understanding, that we may grasp eternal things. Touch my mind. I pray from my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. What's our subject? Three things to know about God. First one is, God loves you. Let's take a look at how God loves. Now, it is a subject we cannot exhaust, but we must study because God, fundamentally, above everything else, God is love. Now, there is a difference between saying God loves and God is love. Amen. Are you with me? Yeah. He is love. Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. 
I am the life. He did not say, I have the way, I have the truth, I have the life. That is sim- that's slightly different. If I have it, I can give it back. But if I am it, there's nothing I can do. God is love. That's what he is. That's who he is. Go with me to what book can you guess I'm going to? <laughs> you know, someday someone will say, this is Elder Randy Genesis Ski. Let's go to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis 1. We shall read from verse 14 of Genesis 1. All those of you visiting for the first time, may I see your hands. Any first time, ah, God bless you. From my heart, God bless you. God bless you. If you're in the balcony, I cannot see you. God bless you as well. I really mean that. God bless you is a prayer. Three words, I prayed with my eyes open. God bless you. Genesis 1, reading from verse 14. And God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so. The Bible says, and God made two great lights. The greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. Now I want to isolate the stars and demonstrate God's love through the stars. He made the stars also. Now, how many stars are there? We don't know. Many years ago, hundreds of years ago, scientists believed there were a little over 5,000 stars in the sky. What an What an insult to God. How many stars, and I really want you to think, I want to simplify this message, but the power of God is seen in simple things. God believes in keeping it simple. But we, because of our sophisticated education, we are always looking for a complex way to explain God. God keeps it simple. He made the stars. Now my question was, how many stars are there? And we all confess correctly, we do not know. Let's go to Jeremiah chapter 33. We shall read verse 22. Jeremiah 33 verse 22. And we're reading from the King James Version. Jeremiah 33 verse what? 22. Two threes and two twos. By the way, when you're memorizing scripture, look for little clues that help you to anchor the thing in your mind. Jeremiah 33, 3, 33, 22, two threes, two twos. The Bible says, as the host of heaven, what? Cannot be numbered. That's all we'll read. The host of heaven referring to the heavenly bodies, including the stars. They cannot be numbered. Now, can you trust the Bible? Yes. There are certain questions when I ask you, all of you should answer. Because those of you who don't, it leads me to think, well, why didn't that person answer me? Does the person not trust God's word? Does the person not love God? Can God's word be trusted, yes or no? Yes. And we must not be casual about our trust in God's word. We must be serious. 
Now the word says, the host of heaven, the stars cannot be numbered. Let's go to Genesis 15. We'll take a look at a man who was invited by God to count the stars. Genesis 15. We shall read from verse 1 to make the connection. Genesis 15, verse 1. This is an incident in the life of Father Abraham, the father of the faithful. The Bible says, After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go, what? Childless. And the steward of my house is this Elias of Damascus. Abram is saying, Lord, you promised me that I'll be the father of a great nation, and I don't even have one son. What wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless? It is in the human heart to begin to doubt when God takes a little too long in our view. God has promised a blessing, and he's five minutes late as we think he is, and we begin to wonder. So Abraham says, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless? And the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus, his chief servant, whom he was considering to make his heir. And Abraham said, Behold to me, thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. Referring to this same Eliezer. And behold, verse 4, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. Now verse 5. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and do what? Tell the stars. The word tell is an old English word which means count. God brings Abraham out of the tent. Must have been night time. And God says, now you look up. Now, count the stars. Now, I don't believe Abraham started one, two, three, four. He didn't do that. Abraham knew immediately he could not count the stars. So God said, look now toward heaven and tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. We're talking about God is love. And without waiting for Abraham to say yea or nay, God said unto him, so shall thy seed be. In other words, Abraham or Abram as he was then, the same way the stars cannot be counted, your seed will be innumerable. The stars cannot be counted. But the stars cannot be counted by whom? By man. Come on, say amen for our limitations. All right, I'm glad I'm limited. If I were not limited, God would have far more trouble from me than he already has now. I thank God for my limitations. The stars cannot be numbered by mankind. But the stars can be numbered by God. Let's go to Psalm 147. We're reading verse 4. The subject is three things to know about God. God is love, or God loves you, God wants to give you power, and God wants to live with you, personally. Psalm 147, what verse? 4. We come across this strange word, tell again, which means to what? To count. Thank you, my good sister, to my right. The Bible says, he telleth the number 
of the stars. Which means he does what? He counts the number of the stars, which means he knows, he knows how many stars there are. Say amen for God. God. Now there are billions of billions of stars in our galaxy. That's just our galaxy. I read a few weeks ago to my surprise, there are billions of galaxies. My brothers and sisters, when I ask you to think, sometimes I don't think you think. <laughs> listen to me. Listen to me. Listen. Start thinking. God knows how many stars are in the entire universe. You know why? He made them. Thank you, Brother Dwayne. He made them. And nothing God makes is accidental. He knows how many stars he made. But I'll tell you something else that really shows God's love. Look at the second part of verse 1, 4, Psalm 147. It says, he telleth the number of the stars. He does what? He calleth them all. How? But. Every star. Now, some people with five and six children can't even come up with names. You run at your John, Jim, and Sally, and you're stuck. So we start adding words together. We get FLO from flower, a podium, POD. We have Flo Pod, and that's the girl's name. But not with God. Every star has a name. In the Bible, when you name something or someone, you establish what? relationship I hope you're understanding what I'm trying to say about your God God is love God loves his creation and so every one of the stars that only the Godhead can count has a name He calleth them all by their names. But we are not one text believers. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 40. We shall read verses 25 and 26 as we continue three things to know about God. And the first one is God loves you personally, individually, privately, and intimately. Isaiah chapter 40, verses 25 and 26. Do we have it? Last week I told you the nickname for Isaiah. What is it? The gospel prophet. He speaks so much about what Christ would come to do. Isaiah 40 verse 25. To whom then will you liken me? Or shall I be equal, saith the Holy One? Now to whom can we liken God? To no one. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost cannot be compared to anyone else. So God says, to whom then will ye liken me, or shall I be equal, saith the Holy One? And to show how he cannot be compared to anyone else, God goes to creation. Verse 26. Lift up your eyes on high, and see who hath done what? Created these things. Behold, who hath created these things, that bringeth out their host how? By number. He calleth them all by names. 
God cares about the stars. Inanimate objects. They don't live the way plants live. They're inanimate objects like rocks. Gas. He cares. Why? Because he made them. And everything that comes from God enjoys God's attention. He made the stars. He knows how many they are. And each one has a name. Now to pass on that quality of God, which is establishing relationships, in Genesis 2 verse 19, God passes on that quality to Adam. Let's go to Genesis 2.19. Giving names is one way God establishes relationship. Genesis 2.19, the Bible says, And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the earth and every fowl of the air and brought them unto whom? Adam to see what? That's right. Now Adam, acting like God, has to establish a relationship with every living creature on the earth. Even as God has a relationship with every created thing in the universe, and God tells Adam, give a name to every creature. Notice what God says. The Bible says, he brought them unto Adam to see. To see. Really, to let Adam see that Adam's mind and God's mind were so connected, the Bible says, and whatsoever Adam called what? Every living creature, that was the name thereof. Amen. And each time Adam gave a name, God said, yes. That's the name I had in mind. Because Adam's mind and God's mind were like this. Which means that when you are close to God, God's mind is your mind. And if God's mind is your mind, then God's power is your power. And since God's power is what kind of power? Omnipotent power. The power in you through a connection with God is what kind of power? Omnipotent power. Somebody say amen. amen. Now, let me digress. Here is a smoking addiction. Here is omnipotent power. Which has greater power? Yes. Here is a sex addiction. Here is the very power of God. Which is greater? Here is stinginess. Here is the power of God. Which is greater? Then don't tell me you and I can't have victory over our weaknesses. The problem is we are not connected. Uh, you don't understand. Because I don't see anyone jumping up. <laughs> you don't understand. <laughs> Did you hear what I said? When you are connected to God at the heart, which is a sweet way to say the mind, all the power God has is available to you. Now let me get back to the point. Adam named all the animals. Established a relationship. God loves his creation. The point I am making, God gives individual attention. Three amens. You can see I love amens. I don't get them enough. That's why I'm so skinny. But I, perhaps you'll help me out. Put on a few amen pounds before I leave. 
<laughs> Blessings on you, cuz. You see, God establishes individual relationships. You know, we have this saying in society, you know, my friend and I, we're tight. God wants to be how with you? Tight. Have you ever tried to separate two coats of paint? Have you ever tried to do that? Have you ever tried to push a needle between two coats of paint and separate them when you're stripping the wall? God wants to be closer than that to you. Tight! Because he loves you. I don't care what the devil says. How corrupt this world is. It's our fault, not his. God's love has not changed. And as you sit there, perhaps discouraged, embarrassed, ashamed, feeling like a loser, the God of heaven and earth loves you personally. And he's just dying for you to understand that because when you understand that, something changes in you. God. When the president goes places, people line the streets to see him. God says, you don't have to line any street to see me. I dwell in your heart. That's why I want to dwell in your heart. And one day you'll see me face to face. God loves you individually. Let's go to Matthew chapter 10. We've seen how God loves the stars. He cares for the stars. He knows them by name. They are inanimate objects like rocks and gas. They don't have souls. But they're his creation and he loves now Matthew chapter 10. And I must get to the other two things about God. If I don't, well, it's okay. If all you talk about is God loves you, that's good enough. Matthew chapter verse 29. I'll always remind you how beautiful it is to my ears to hear the pages of God's word turning. Verse 29 of Matthew 10, the Bible says, this is Christ speaking. The creator himself. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? You know what a farthing is? Most of you don't. It's a British coin. No longer exists, I don't think. Went out of style in the early 70s. But let's convert that to U.S. currency. A penny. A penny. Now, Jesus says two, two sparrows. You see sparrows all over the place. Are sold. For one penny. Now, the penny tells you the value the merchant has placed on these two sparrows. If you go to a car lot, used car lot, new cars lot, here's a car for $15. $15. Would you buy it? No. Wouldn't you be suspicious immediately? Does this thing have an engine? No, they say $15? Then here's another car, $75,000. You may not have the money, but you look. You dream and you wish. And you call rich relatives. $75,000? $15. You turn your back. $15. It's an insult for the salesman to tell you, let's look at a $15 car. You insulted, you called the manager. The Bible says two sparrows are sold for a penny. The verse goes on to say, and one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father 
as worthless as they are to us. When one sparrow dies, God feels it because he made them. Personal. Now we go from stars, gas, to living creatures but still have no souls, no character. I said, when one sparrow dies, God knows and feels the loss. Because all life is somehow attached to God. Nothing can live without some form of connection to God. When that connection is broken, God knows. Glory indeed. Now not only, even before the bird dies, let's go to Luke. Luke is talking about the same thing, sparrows and farthings. Luke has a slightly different price. Luke chapter 12, reading verse 6. As we continue, three things to know about God. Let me warn you, we may not get to the other two. All right. First one is God loves you. Luke chapter 12, reading verse 6. Luke has a slightly different price. Are not five sparrows sold for two farthings? Really the same thing. Five sparrows for two farthings. And not one of them is forgotten before God. Meaning, while they are alive, God knows where each one is. He knows. Now, you're saying amen, but I have the suspicion that you're really saying, oh, nah, God is too busy. No, he's not. God is God. God can't run out of time. God has eternity. God has all power. He has the time and he has the resources. Not one of them is forgotten before God. That ought to change the way you treat animals. Because they were made for our fellowship. You don't agree? Yes, they were. And in the new world, God will put them right back. And they won't end up on people's plates. They won't. That was never God's plan. To take life. He knows where the sparrows are. He knows where I'm staying with my good brother Hanny, Sister Grace. God bless them. Sometimes I look out my door, I see the butterflies. Lovely things, like painted snowflakes. Perhaps you've never seen snowflakes in California. Painted snowflakes fluttering in the clear air, and it lands on a flower. And I just watch this thing, gets the nectar, picks up some pollen, go pollinate a flower without knowing it. Fluttering all the colors. Then here comes another butterfly, different color, different size, perhaps goes to a different flower. And I just stand there amazed at the power of God. Then I saw this lizard. (laughs) Come on, say amen for lizards. (laughs) For God made them. And it was hot that day. And the lizard would come close to the pavement. Now that lizard does not know he has a cousin in Namibia. 
in the Namib Desert. It is so hot in the Namib Desert. Here's the lizard with four feet. It raises this one and that one. Then it raises this one and then what? Oh yeah, do I have it? All right, here we go. No, it does that. Why? To stay off the hot sand. Now God put it in the heads. It does that. There is a, a, a beetle in the Namib Desert. Rain hardly ever falls, but the desert is right next to the sea. An amazing thing. As the mist comes off from the sea at night, then early in the morning, there's moisture on the little skinny desert plants. This beetle goes up to the top of a sand dune so that the, 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 the vapor can, the, the condensation can take place on its body, and then it turns itself upside down like this. Its mouth is here, its body is tilted up, and as the water condenses, the water forms little droplets, and does what? Flows right down to its mouth. Who put that in that beetle's head? God cares about little things and little creatures and little people. Now, Matthew 9.20, look at verse 30. I don't know how much time I have left. And I don't want to know. Matthew 10, verse 30, the Bible says, do you have it? We read in verse 29, are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father. Verse 30, but the very what? Hairs on your head are all numbered. God knows how many stars. He knows how many strands of hair are on your head. Everyone. Because there's nothing in the universe not known to God. Are you listening to me? He knows. How many of you have cats? Mm -hmm. God knows exactly how much fur is on that cat that leaves the fur on your couch. Now, where I'm staying, we have about nine cats. <laughs> Sweet little animals. He knows because he cares. Now, look at verse 31 of Matthew 10. What does it say? Fear ye not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. Meaning, God is saying, look, if I care, about one sparrow. When it dies, I know. While it's alive, I am aware of its presence and where it is. God says, if that's the way I am about sparrows that never, that have no souls and characters to develop, if I know how many stars there are and I've given a name to each one, I've established a relationship with stars that don't live each one of you is of more value than many sparrows. So the love and the care I have for a sparrow, God says, do the math. Multiply it many times. That's how much I care for you. And we must not doubt that. People walk around saying, God has forgotten me. You're insulting God on two levels. You're questioning his love for you and you're accusing him of amnesia. God doesn't have that. 
ye are of more value than many sparrows. More value. Yes, the sparrows are important to God, but you are far more important. Let's go to Matthew 6. I tell you, a Christian should never doubt God. Never. As long as there's a tree to look at and a bird to see and stars at night, that Christian should be reassured 24 hours a day, every waking moment, God cares for me. Matthew 6, verse 25. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. God says, don't worry. He didn't say don't think about it. He said don't worry. Those are two different things. Take no thought for your life. What you shall eat, that's basic. What you shall drink, that's basic. What you shall put on, that's basic. God is not talking about luxuries. Basics. The luxuries are coming. Is not the life more than meat? And the body than raiment? God is saying, look, there's something that should occupy your mind that are far more important than what you eat and what you wear. He said, behold the fowls of the air. The same two sparrows sold for one farthing. God said, look at them. Behold the fowls of the air. They sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet, God says, your heavenly father feedeth them. He didn't say, their heavenly father feedeth them. He said, your heavenly father Feedeth them. Now, if you're on your P's and Q's, you can make the right conclusion immediately. If my father, my father, will feed them, I know immediately my father will feed me. Which of you, says God, by taking thought, which is worrying, can add one cubit to a statue, one inch in height, or one second in lifespan. Can't do it. Consider the lilies of the field. Now God goes to grass. Plants. Consider the lilies of the field. How they grow. To consider, to consider how a lily grows, you must take time every day and observe it. It's not a five second thing. Jesus says, consider how they grow. They don't grow in five seconds. You must go tomorrow, water them, come back the next day, look at it, come back the next day, consider it. That's time well spent. They toil not, neither do they spin. Yet I say unto you, that even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed or dressed like one of these. Because when God dresses you, no one can outdress you. Because if it comes from God, it makes it superior to anything else. Nordstrom's, the sharper image, wherever. If God gives it to me, it came from heaven, I am well dressed. Not even Solomon. Because Solomon dressed himself, God dressed the lily, the lily is higher. 
Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, hmm? he's appealing to our reason which he gave us. If God so clothed the grass of the field, the same thing we walk on, whether the sign says walk on the grass or not, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven. Shall he not, what are the two words, much more clothe you? Can't you see how insulting it is to God to doubt that he cares? God loves you personally. Has he named each star personally? As Adam named each animal personally, as the high priest Jesus Christ had the 12 stones, the 12 tribes on his chest, his heart, meaning I care. Six on this shoulder, six on this. I carry your burdens personal. The Bible says we are engraved on the palm of his hand. His hand is power. God loves you. God wants to be with you. I mean that personally. You see the person sitting next to you? God wants to do just that. Literally sit next to you. Amen. Let's go to John chapter 14. I'm through begging. Let's go to John chapter 14. John 14. Reading from verse 1. We continue. Three things to know about God. And let me tell you now, we won't cover three. So two things to know about God. It's uh, 12 o'clock. What time do you usually get out? <laughs> Thou shalt not bear false witness. <laughs> Especially on the Sabbath. All right. John chapter 1. 14, verse 1. Let's read. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. By the way, that's the way Jesus is. If anything changes all of a sudden, Christ will let you know. <laughs> don't you like that? Some people tell us nothing. Property values went up 40%. We don't know. <laughs> and then we're trying to, or, or went down. Property value went down 50%. We're trying to sell a house. We don't know. Jesus said, look, if it were not so, I would have told you. I don't leave you in the dark. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. Amen. The one who is preparing it, I'll come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. Right now, even though Jesus dwells in the heart by the Holy Spirit, we are still separated in the sense that we're not actually physically dwelling where he is. Because there's a real place in heaven where Jesus lives. Amen. And because Jesus still has human form, glorified human form, he cannot be everywhere at the same time. That's part of the price of saving us. Ah, what a price it costs God. That Christ appears, and I say appears carefully, to have laid down his ability to be everywhere at the same time. Almost as if God is limiting himself as part of the price to save us, yet still remaining God. I can't explain that mystery. He can't be everywhere. 
So he says, look, I need you where I am. Now, that where I am, he said, I'm coming to receive you unto myself. That has always been God's desire. Go to Exodus chapter 19. Exodus chapter 19. This is God speaking to the Israelites after he brought them out of Egypt. And he's about to call down to bring down the Ten Commandments. This was Christ. And he gives Moses preparations in chapter 19. And this is what God says, verse 4 of Exodus 19. Ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bear you on eagles' wings, and did what? Brought you where? Unto myself. Understand that God's burning desire is to be with us. Amen. Nose to nose. And that's no symbolic statement. I mean that. Go to Exodus 25. See that again. Exodus chapter 25. Reading verse 8. Well known passage. What does the Bible say? Let them do what? Make me a sanctuary. Why? That I might dwell among them. Now let's go to Revelation Chapter 22. Revelation 22. God wants to be with you personally. God loves you personally. He wants to be with you personally. Revelation chapter 22. Reading verse 4. The Bible says. And they shall do what? See his face. And his name shall be where? In their foreheads. Now, who is this he? Well, father and son, but particularly the father. You see, some people have already seen the son. Come on, say amen. amen. The disciples saw him. They saw the son. All those people back then, they saw Jesus face to face. Didn't appreciate him. That's why he said in the judgment, it will be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah than for the cities where Jesus walked. Because Sodom and Gomorrah never saw him personally. But Chorazin and Bethsaida and Jerusalem, they saw him personally and rejected him. So we'll see Jesus, we've seen him before. No one has ever seen God. And so in Revelation 22 verse 4 says, And they shall see his face, we know it's gone by the second statement, and his name shall be in their forehead now. Let's clarify name in their forehead. Let's go to Revelation 14. Read verse 1. Who is this we shall see? Revelation 14 verse 1. Do we have that? The Bible says, And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Zion, and with him a hundred forty and four thousand, having what? His father's name written in their forehead. So here's the lamb. Here's the Father, the Father's name in their forehead. So when we go to Revelation 22 verse 4, and they shall see his face and his name, that is the Father. You will see God, the Father. You see, seeing Jesus is one thing, he's covered in human flesh. But to see the Father, he is not covered in any human flesh. And you stand there and you look at God. 
face to face. And your tongue just vanishes from your throat. Can't speak. And to see God look you in the eye. And he smiles like sunrise. It just rises and rises and rises and remains a permanent noontime glory on his face. And the light shines in your face and your tongue is still gone. See God. I want to see God. Let's go to Revelation 21. Seeing God is not when God pays an occasional visit to you. Read Revelation 21 verse 3. Revelation 21 verse 3. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. That word tabernacle goes all the way back to Exodus 25, 8. Let them make me a sanctuary. It goes all back to John 1, 14. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. The Greek word dwelt means tabernacle. Now, Revelation 21, 3. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle, the dwelling place of God, the very throne of God is with men. What this means, when we pray now, we pray, Our Father, yes. Now, there's no need to pray in the new world, but if we had to pray in the new world, we would say, Our Father, which art in earth. <laughs> Come on! Our Father, which is right with me. Because God will transfer His headquarters from heaven to earth. Because he wants to be with us. This long distance thing doesn't work. Dwelling best by the Holy Spirit that we can't see, that's not good enough. That's okay for now. But God says the highest and the fullest um, fulfillment of my desire is that you see me. And I see you. This is no fantasy. This is no fable. This is not science fiction. This is Bible fact. God wants to be with you personally. Now, I'll finish. Between God loves you personally. And God wants to be with you personally. Until he comes to be with you personally. He wants to give you power to be faithful. What kind of power? Let's go to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians 3. Reading from verse 14. Reading from verse 14 of Ephesians chapter 3. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with what? Much. Where? In the inner man. You know what the inner man is? God puts his power at the very root of who you are. Let me explain it this way. Someone walks up to you and slaps you in your face. What's your first instinct? Slap back. Where does that come from? Huh? Where does that come from? You don't think. Right where it comes from, God puts his power in the inner man so that you react differently. 
So they slapped Jesus and the power the Father gave him kept him. That you might be strengthened with power, with might in the inner man. Not your pocket, the inner man. Verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height. And to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge. You read the rest with me. That ye might be filled with how much? All the fullness of God. The problem with us, we don't believe. That ye might be filled with what? All the fullness of God. When that's how you're filled, and it happens gradually, as we trust the little we know, God reveals more. It's all by faith in the revealed word of God. Do you understand what it means that all the power Jesus had is available to you? We go to seminars and listen to people and believe them. How to get a million dollars in real estate with no money down. And we send for these things by television, by, you know, send your credit card number because you want to make a million dollars in five minutes. No money down. You know, how to get money from the government without paying taxes. How to, how to, how to do all kinds of things. We believe people. And we send our money. We're scammed. And we still believe. God says, look up into the heavens. I made those stars. Now, can you believe a person who can do that? The same power God says that it took to do that. The same power that keeps the tides coming at just a certain distance, go back. Certain distance, go back. The same power that keeps the earth the right distance from the sun so we're not fried if we come too close, frozen if we go too far. That same power. And ultimately, the very power that Jesus used to reverse death and come up from the grave. That is the power I will use to change your life. And God says, you don't have to send me any money. Send me your sins. That's all the money I want from you. Send me your sins. All of them. Don't ask for change. Send all your sins. So that I can have room to give all my power. That ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Verse 20. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Now pause. Now unto him that is able to do how? Exceeding. What does the word exceeding mean? Abundantly. What does that mean? Now it would have been good enough for me if God had said now unto him that is able to do abundantly. Or it would have been good for me if he had said now unto him that is able to do exceedingly. But he says exceeding abundantly. Above all. That we ask or even think. According to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages. World without end. Amen. God loves you how?
personally, intimately. God wants to be with you how? Face to face. Now, he's with you very intimately now, but you can't see him. In the person of the Spirit. That's why we read in verse 17 of Ephesians 3, that Christ may dwell where? In your hearts by faith. It is the Holy Spirit that brings Christ, because Christ is in heaven. But through the Spirit, Christ is with us, because the Spirit brings the life of Christ. That Christ may dwell in your hearts. But that is temporary. Ultimately, Christ and the Father want to walk the same streets we walk. Visibly. I want you to swallow that. Think. Think. You and God walking down one of the highways in the new city. And you're talking to God. And God's talking right back to you. And God says, listen, I have to go check on something in another planet. It's about two billion light years away. Would you like to come? And what do you say? Amen. Yes. <laughs> and you say, God, let's go. And God said, we're there. <laughs> we're there. You're there. How did we travel? That's the way I travel, says God. We're there. And you see a planet where people have always lived. They never sinned. They may look slightly like us, maybe a little different. And you talk to them. And they tell you how it was they never sinned. They never lost faith in the word of God. And you wander around the planet. You see their civilization. No sin. No selfishness. All is love. They're busy. They love God. They know Christ. They know who made all these things. And you wave them goodbye. And you tell them, come see me sometime on earth. And then you turn to say, God, let's go. And you look around in your home. <laughs> now this may sound impossible. Let me tell you something. In Acts chapter 8, when Philip baptized that eunuch, the Bible says, when Philip came up out of the water, the Holy Spirit caught him up. And he suddenly appeared in another city. <laughs> it's in the Bible. The eunuch looked around and Philip was gone. So I am not talking about something that's found in Greek mythology. I am telling you something in scripture and something that's coming. There's a life God has for you. If you will think more about it, this life will cease to be attractive. We don't think about heaven because we have our heaven right here. But that's such a disappointment to God. God says, you call this place heaven? Murder, crime, theft, rape, people blowing each other up with all kinds of smart bombs, you know, rebellions, uh, guerrilla warfare, women raped every five seconds, babies thrown in dustbins, uh, pollution, you know, global warming, uh, most women or half all women who kill the United States are killed by husbands. And God says, this is your heaven? then my Holy Spirit has never touched your heart. Because if it had touched your heart, you'd be like Abraham. They looked for a city which had foundations, 
whose builder and maker is God. And so they lived in tabernacles, moving from place to place. The temporariness of your lifestyle is not necessarily that you live in a tent. You must have a temporary approach to this life up here. I am not here to stay. Okay, taking enough of your time. Listen to me. God loves you. Young or old, God loves you. Christ is coming back. We must be ready. The power to be ready, he provides through faith in his word. Obey him. Keep his commandments out of your heart. Trust his word. In all thy ways acknowledge him. And he shall direct your paths. You're looking for a husband? Go to God. Put his work first. Looking for a wife? Go to God. He already has one picked out if he wants you married. He may not want you married. As he told Ezekiel or Jeremiah. You want to know what work I ought to do? Go and ask God. He gave you the brain, the skills, the talents. Ask him. Don't watch the trends in society. Should I accept what this man has been preaching night after night? Ask God. And he'll tell you yes. Should I have children? Ask God. Don't take anything as automatic. Ask God. Live a life for everything you talk to God. And a God who cares about a sparrow cares about the little details in your life. Should I move from Redlands to Burbank? Ask God. Yes, use your mind, but ask God. Let him be the final judge. Should I switch careers and stop medicine and go to something else? Ask God. I lost my keys. Go down to your knees. Lord, I lost my keys. Lord says, I love when my children bring little things to me. Your keys are in the garage. Let me tell this story, then I'm done. A few years ago, I went to some place. When I'm at home, I normally carry my keys hanging on one of these tabs right here. So I drove off to this drugstore to buy something. When I came back, couldn't find my keys. Where are my keys? No keys. I almost never lose keys. I drove back to the drugstore. I said, listen, do you have a lost and found? The man said, no, why? I lost my keys. He said, we have no lost and found. There's no word of any keys being discovered. I went to the parking lot where I was. I thought I parked. I looked around, no keys. So as I drove, I looked out the window. Did the keys jump off my pocket, land on this road? I'm looking for the keys. No keys. So I remembered someone had told me, you know, I pray about everything. So I was a little embarrassed. I was a little embarrassed. I knelt down. I said, Lord, don't laugh. But I can't find my keys. (laughs) And I'm glad no one is hearing me say this. I help me, please. I got up and I did that. And the keys were right here. (laughs) But here's what happened. The keys normally hang on a little thing. You men know what I'm talking about. But the keys had flipped up and gone in here. So I couldn't hear anything. (laughs) I was losing my mind when the Lord said, here are your keys. I I sat down on the bed and I said, Lord, you know you're funny. 
You have a sense of humor. I like that. Thank you for the keys. Think of God in every situation, large and small. It does not mean you're helpless. It means you acknowledge God. Because there's no area of your life where God should be excluded. God loves you. God wants to be with you personally. Not just through Christ abiding in the heart. And God has available to you all the power in the universe to say no to every temptation. To how many temptations? Listen to me. And I'll preach this next week if the Lord convicts me. What I'm saying is, by the power of God, through constant surrender, don't sleep, we are required to come to the place where we no longer sin. We are required by God to live victorious, sinless life. By sinless, I mean we commit no known sin. If we sin, it has to be something we did not know. God has given us power that will enable us to live without committing a sin. Said differently, God has given us power to say no to every temptation. No. No. You can't do that to God. You can't do that to God. You can't do that to Christ. No. Do you believe that? Amen. Let me say it again. God has made available to every one of us power to say no to every temptation, which means no to every sin, which means a life above sin. Not a life where you run around thinking you're better than other people. I never said that. A life where you, at a conscious level, you know, I do not want to disgrace God. Because God is first. First. He put us first when he sent Christ. Let me say that again. God put us first when he sent Christ. God loves you. God wants to be with you. And he'll give you the power to be faithful until he comes to pick you up. One day at a time. How many of you will say, Lord, Lord, my God, my creator, my savior, help me to believe with all my heart that you love me as an individual right where I sit or stand. Lord, my creator and savior, help me to believe you want to live with me even as the person sitting next to me is visible. Lord, my savior and creator, you have power available to me to live victoriously. If you will say, Lord, help me to believe these three things, I want you to raise your right hand. Help me to believe these. Stand with me, let's pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I come to you on behalf of my brothers and sisters and myself. Forgive us for our weak faith. Forgive us, Lord, for the many times we have embarrassed you before the universe by doubting your love. A God who loves sparrows and the stars. 
who cares for the animals. Forgive us, Lord, for questioning your love for us. Forgive us for our weak faith, our unbelief. Because every failure in our lives is the result of unbelief. Father, we throw the, heart, the doors of our hearts wide open and ask you, Lord, all overcome in the person of your Savior, your Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Come into our hearts and bide in us. Sustain us until that day when you live with us personally, physically, face to face. Oh, Father in heaven, help us to believe that all the power given to Christ is available to us because you have promised to fill us with all the fullness of God. Now, while every head is bowed, every eye is closed, Father, I'll make an appeal. Then close. There are some who still need to make a decision to give their lives entirely to God. To obey his commandments. To consider being baptized. If you've not yet considered being baptized. I'm not talking to those of you who came last night. Those of you who have not yet responded. If you are even thinking that I need to be baptized or rebaptized, If you're even thinking about it. Or you have thought about it. I want you to raise your hand. If you're thinking about it or you've thought about it, keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. My brother, come. Come, my good brother, come. Don't worry. Sister, come. I want some of the preachers to come with me. Support my people. Come. Sister, come. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't be afraid. Come. Any other preachers in the audience, please come. Just want you with me. Come. God bless you. If you have thought of being baptized or rebaptized, just thinking about it, come, come. Come, come, come. Anyone else? The thought has crossed your mind. God can stop it from crossing and make it a reality. Anyone else? I have thought about being baptized or rebaptized. You come. Any other preachers here to support me? Perhaps they're not here, that's okay. Any elders? I just like someone else with me. Come, my good brother. You've thought about it. That was a good time to put that thought as an action. God bless you. God bless you. If you're an elder, just come to the back so I can separate you. God bless you. You have thought about it. There's a time to think yes, but there's a time to convert thought to action. Anyone else? I've thought of being baptized or rebaptized. Lord, help me to convert that thought to action. Some of you took your stand last night. We're having a special dinner for you. You're wearing that ribbon. I see some of you with it. God bless you. Now here's the final call. It may sound strange at this stage in this series. Is there someone listening to me who in your heart you know you have never surrendered your heart to this loving God? You never have. You may have been forced to go to church, but you have never voluntarily, personally, freely surrendered your life to the hand of a God who loves you. And you want to do that now, and I hope you do. Let me see your hand. You've never done it. You want to do that now. Never done it. I can't see the balcony. If anyone raises a hand, someone let me know. You have never done it. And you want to do it.
anyone. You have not voluntarily given your life into the loving hands of God. And you want to do that. Raise your hand. I'm trying to see the lights in my eyes. Make sure I can see clearly. Anyone? I won't delay you. I'll pray momentarily. God loves you. Wants to live with you. And has available to you all the power that he has. To make you victorious. And to keep you victorious. God has the power to save your children about whom you worry. God has the power to change the heart of your spouse who gives you so many problems, whether it's husband or wife. God has the power to touch the heart of your employer, to treat you nicely. God does all of these things for those who are His. I want voluntarily, of my own free will, to give my life into the hands of the God who loves me. That's the call. Raise your hand. And if you've never done it before. That's the, if you've never done it before. That's the call. Never done it before. And for those of you now who will say, Lord, I renew my commitment to you. Thank you for this message. I love you. Sustain me and keep me until the day you take me home. Raise your hand. Blessings upon you, every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, in the name of Jesus, I present those who came up on the stage who've considered baptism or rebaptism. I present those who've raised their hands to renew their surrender into the hands of a God who loves, who cares personally, and who desires to live with us face to face. Oh, Father in heaven, infuse us with that power that we may choose at any cost to us to say no to sin, that there be no cost to you. Help us to honor you in all that we do and say, bless us, bless our families, and God of heaven and earth, when you come, save all of us without the loss of one. I offer this prayer from my heart in Jesus' name, and for his sake, let all God's people say, Amen and Amen. God bless you, God loves you, I love you. Those of you who have your ribbons, stay where you are. The rest of you, God bless you. Enjoy the afternoon. We're back here at 7 o'clock this evening. I need some cards for those who came here. I need some cards. Stay right where you are. God bless you. God bless you. Blessings on you, my dear sister.